Spags, the people said, win puppy, win puppy. Well, today, puppy. Today, puppy indeed, super flex puppy at that. So we're not only going to do a live super flex puppy draft for 250K and total prizes on there. We're also going to talk about the strategy behind it because there isn't a lot of great information out there. So Pete and I did the legwork. Pete dug into his old draft Rolodex to find a super flex that he won for himself. So let's get into it, Pete, right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And we're going to prove that today more than ever. But I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you feeling after a ship chasing episode that really got off the rails yesterday? Um, I was having a good day. You know, I had moved on. And yet this this chat, you guys are so insufferable, so spoiled. Pete late. Come on, Pete. Falling asleep, waiting. Uh, Connor's actually correct. Resetting expectations for punctuality. Uh, you guys are so, so spoiled. I, we give you guys punctual streams 99% of the time. We set up a little production on the back end, and these guys go crazy. It, it's honestly disgusting. Yeah, we were one minute late today because we actually put together some graphics once again, of course, uh, basically a PowerPoint, but it makes us feel a little more premium on this show. So we're going to take you guys through some of the six things that could be most valuable to do in the Superflex draft. So you might be blasting away off in the puppy today. First of all, if you're watching live, whether it be on Peach channel or the Splash Play channel, make sure you're subscribed and make sure you hit the like button. Of course, tomorrow on the Splash Play channel exclusively, I'll do my Friday solo stream. And, and Pete actually meant to ask you before the show and now it completely ruins it. Could you give the people like an appeal to subscribe on there? Because We've now fallen behind Spike Week in terms of subs, and I just want to keep up with the Joneses, and I feel like you giving the influencer boost is more valuable than me just extolling the virtues of the Splash Play YouTube channel. Well, this is this is the classic Spags thing, because obviously I will, uh, you know, encourage people to subscribe to that challenge, but it, uh, to that channel, but then you always, your reasoning is so distorted. You want to keep up with the Spike Week thing? Like, I mean, Spags, come on, you're just supposed to make content because you love it, man, and just let the chips fall how they do. But yes, fucking follow the Splash Play channel so Spags can feel better about himself and he can compare metrics to all of his peers around the industry. Yeah, I mean, look, I did the Best Ball Bros show with Bime4 yesterday on the spot on the Spike Week channel. Had a lot of fun doing that. But ultimately, you know, I'm not competitive, Pete. Like, I want everybody to do well. I just want us to do slightly better in terms of how well we're doing. And we're not selling products, so we have to have more subs. We have to have something that justifies us continuing to do this week after week. Well, what I think you're realizing is, um, you know, you you came out of the gate hard with your solo streams. You know, you're getting drunk. You know, you're doing these marathon streams, and now you're you're falling into the classic solo streamer paradox of like, my God, how how am I going to keep up this energy? Uh, and these this length of streams all summer, and now you're like, you're panicking. I can tell. I honestly, I, I was talking to some people behind the scenes, might be even doing more streams, Pete, which we have to talk about. But uh, for myself, just hit certain quotas, perhaps to get some uh, side hustle money in for old spags. So I look, I'm locked in now. It's all just about trying to create a value proposition for both of us as 50-50 partners in both best ball teams and also in, in the splash play of ours. Yes, please, uh, please subscribe uh, to the Splash Play channel and, uh, you know, leave Spags lots of comments, lots of likes, you know, I mean, I, I feel like you everything's breaking your way, though you had, uh, I didn't get to watch it, but I did see you were on the CBS mm -hmm. uh, podcast talking best ball. So I feel like you've officially made it Spags. Thank you. And I'm trying to do the best to extol the virtues of best ball out there as a convert. And Pete, you are the Jehovah's Witness who was knocking on my door for months. And now I'm here trying to do it for everybody else out there. We're also trying to do it more over at Football Outsiders. So make sure to go check them out at footballoutsiders.com. Our fantasy analyst, Scott Spratt, doing a lot of great stuff of both his actual projections, which are, I think, unique in the way that they are uh, calculated on the back end, but also going to be something where he's digging in more in best ball stuff throughout the summer. So go hang out with us at footballoutsiders.com and keep your eyes peeled for the Football Outsiders Almanac, which is really one of those Bibles of football analysts. If you are a full football nerd rather than just a fantasy football nerd, I like to add some value to your life over at footballoutsiders.com. Pete, let's dig into the super flex though, because it is big news. The puppy launching another version. People have been asking when puppy, as you mentioned up top, and now there is a puppy 250 K in total prizes, 50 K going to first place on there. And I guess before we get into the slides themselves, is there anything that you would say from your expertise? Because you immediately pulled up a draft from 2020 of yourself when you won an expert super flex league. And where I don't know if you're just flexing to me or if I should use it for knowledge but either way you are the champion of the room and i want you to have the pedestal appropriately 
Well, no, the reason I said that, I didn't just send that to Spags unprompted. He was sending me an old Rotoviz article. Uh, which I re- you're like, hey, here's this draft I won a couple of years ago. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, Spags always tried to paint me in an unflattering light. Um, yeah, no, so there was, um, yeah, the Draft Sharks Invitational, but it was the Rotoviz article that made me think of it. And because uh, that league, though, was tight in premium and super flex. And that's, uh, you know, the Rotoviz has the triflex leagues on FFPC, and that's kind of a, a growing format. And even like the Scott Fishbowl ends up kind of being similar to that. And I do think it's, you know, the most interesting structure ultimately because it really balances out all of the positions equally in a way that makes for tough decisions. So I, w- I was saying this is obviously a little different because we don't have the tight end premium. And I will just say in general, one thing I've noticed from the first super flex draft that underdog had earlier this off season versus kind of the super flex drafts you'll see on FFPC and in other places is the quarterbacks go even at more of a premium on underdog, like in a really kind of crazy way. I think a lot of more old school fantasy players have been so conditioned to wait on QBs that that kind of bleeds over even into super flex. And it really allows for some good values, but I, I almost feel like we have to throw a lot of it out the window with this super flex ADP right now, because it, Everyone, it's just keeping up with the Joneses. It's almost like mutually assured destruction. If you don't get at least one quarterback in your first two rounds, um, maybe you need to get two of them. You're just going to be closed out. And so I'm hesitant to use applications from that data and those leagues specifically here, just because this feels like an entirely different beast. But there are some nuggets that I think we can take away and help us. Yeah, so let's go get uh, slides a little bit there. And I think we could talk about, it. I did two puppy drafts this afternoon. So I have maybe a little bit of a frame of expertise, which uh, honestly two different drafts. But the first thing I think we have to talk about is the QBs may fly off the shelf or off the board much faster than other drafts. I think you talked about that a little bit, Pete, but um, the one draft I was in, there was 15 QBs taken uh, the first puppy I did in the t- first two rounds. So 15 QBs taken there, guys like Justin Fields then going in the third round. Obviously that's a, a different priority structure than elsewhere. The second one I did was a little more normal where I think it was 10 in the first two rounds, but Pete, both puppies I did, I ended up with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford in rounds one and two consecutively. How are you feeling about that approach? Like, are you trying to read the room on that? Are you making sure you get a QB in the first uh, two rounds? Because one of the bullet points coming up points out in your league, you won, you did take your first QB in round three. Yeah. And I just, and that's what I mean. Like, you're not going to be able to pull that off. Like in that draft you were referencing, uh, I, I got Kyler in round three that year in 2020, um, which in these, in these underdog drafts, I I think what it also illustrates, and we've actually seen this a little bit with our dynasty super flex leagues, um, where you'll see Trevor Lawrence, you know, still going in the early second round. And what I think it highlights is the importance of some of those early picks, right? Because you're using, oh, uh, with your third pick, you could get Josh Allen or Mahomes or Herbert. But then with the 12th pick, you're getting, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, like the tier gap there is so massive. And yet the cost actually isn't that different. And so I, I do think in general, getting an early pick in these drafts is is a pretty big advantage and you probably would want it to be like a third round reversal type thing to to offset what is going to ultimately be a, a pretty giant advantage i think for the early teams yeah, I like getting a non-QB of my first pick if I can, though. The spots I picked, um, Cooper Cup fell to me in the nine spot, and I feel like I might have taken one of the QBs if that weren't the case. The second draft, I did Q, uh, took Cooper Cup at the five spot. But I do think that, you know, letting the room kind of dictate that a little bit more. And, you know, like a Trey Lance, you probably have to take at the end of the first round. But um, either way, I think it's going to come down to, like, whatever we do this afternoon, Pete, I feel like, it could go either way where all the QBs go off and people actually show some patience. And it feels like it's until the ADP settle over the next couple of days, like it does seem like there's going to be a lot of variance in each individual room. Yeah, probably. And maybe this, we always joke about the piss boy rooms, you know, being so wide receiver heavy. Maybe what, but what if we all just agreed to maybe just chill out on uh, on quarterbacks <laughs> and just show a little restraint. Handshake gentlemen's agreement. And some of the data here, as Pete talked about, this is FFPC data, so it could be skewed a little bit because of the tight end premium on there. According to that data, four QB builds win the most. Three QB builds, though, had more top six finishes. Pete, you had a three QB build when, and your success that you had with Superflex. So do you have any sort of strong feel here? It seems like it's honestly tough to get to four QBs unless you are skimming the Kenny Pickett, Drew Locke, Marcus Mariota tier of guys that probably not going to draft a lot in best ball mania. I feel like three QBs, if you're really prioritizing it, it's probably enough to get you through. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's the same kind of structural principles we apply in the standard drafts, right? Like if you use a couple early picks, like you definitely want to just stick to a three QB build because you're making the bet that those two early QBs are going to be in your starting lineup every week. Now, if you punt it down the road, maybe, maybe I could see a four QB build here where you take Pickett and Ritter and Malik Willis, and you kind of just like piece together all these guys that have pretty big question marks. Um, and so you're needing more of the quantity to cover you there. So I would just think it, through it through that same lens did you devote early capital there then go with a, a lesser quantity uh or did you punt it and now you need kind of a large quantity to cover your ass yeah no and i think honestly the room is going to dictate that for you too probably because sometimes you'll just see five qbs go in a row and then you are stuck more in that rookie tier and hope one of those guys wins a starting job pete and your team that we talked about um in that draft shark league you did draft three qbs rounds three five and seven that jumped out to me as a pretty smart move because you gave yourself some flexibility in there where you should probably start really looking at qb i mean from round one i guess on underdog but round two let's say and then you kind of can have flexibility where take a qb round two maybe one round three or if there's just great value there you can do that but i guess how do you feel about what you did here like i assume you didn't go in with a hard strategy but the room kind of gave you those picks where they fell yeah this one and uh, sorry if it's a little hard to see here i'll try to zoom in a little bit and i know this was an older uh draft and this was you know this is a sharp room all kinds of you know industry guys who were more willing to wait but you know i was trying to hit kind of all of the structural things that um, we're trying to generally do in best ball leagues and of course applying it to the super flex. So I got my elite quarterback up top with Dalvin cook. I did prioritize Mark Andrews uh, in this build because of the tight end premium and just knowing that. And then I knew I wanted to get the quarterbacks in this window. Um, so I went Kyler Murray. I did take AJ Brown here, which kind of informed my Ryan Tannehill pick later, you know, going for this stacking element as well. Seeing Carson Wentz's name now seems hilarious. It seems like a bad pick at, at the time. Uh, it was uh, seemed like a better pick, but basically my thing, and it's kind of like what we try to do in our standard leagues, right? Where it's like, we're trying to get the most ceiling we can, but in the quarterback window where we know these guys can traditionally succeed. And when you push out here to these teams that were drafting Nick Foles, Haskins, you know, these guys are such lower probability bets to hit. And um, what also naturally happens, of course, the quarterbacks push down, you know, good players as well. So I think it's you're kind of doing a dance with your room, maybe even more so than the typical draft where people are willing to adhere to ADP a bit more. And you really have to read the room. And sometimes you shift your goals in one direction or the other. I specifically remember in this draft, because of that Rotoviz article, I had wanted to get two quarter or three quarterbacks by round. I believe it was five or six was what I wanted to do. But then when I saw how everyone was kind of punting quarterbacks a little further, I go, okay, I can push this a little bit more. So again, just our typical thing, being flexible um, in reading the room. And then that goes back to these underdog drafts where, I mean, these, these guys are just absolutely ripping quarterbacks and we need to kind of, you know, adjust accordingly. I, unfortunately you pulled the screen away, Pete, but I was curious to talk more about your round 24 running back one Davis.m. <laughs> on the screen mike davis carrying you to glory and i actually looked it up pete he did start for you multiple times throughout the course of that season that was a season though he was good in carolina he would he was totally i mean i ran away with this league but I, I mike davis was just a massive massive smash and this was another super fun thing about this format is even in traditional leagues with you know 18 or 20 picks it's hard to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel like that year mike davis wasn't getting drafted in the first BBM draft. Like people just weren't drafting him because you only went 18 rounds. In a 25 round league, it actually gave me a chance to spray and pray on some of these zero RB targets. And literally none of them hit except Mike Davis hit in a massive way. And that was virtually all I needed to pair with Dalvin Cook up top. And yet no affinity in your heart for old Mike when he was showing up time and time again, punching that clock for you, getting in your starting rosters. I hate to see it, Pete, personally. I know it, it happens. It happens. You can see some of the advance rates as well from that FFPC data on Rotoviz. round one advance rate of 5.7% uh, with a QB in round one. If you take your QB one in round two, it was a 9.1% percentage. And then the QB one Pete in round three, uh, if you want to go to the next slide, 11.4% win percentage. And that's something that jumps out because it doesn't seem like that's going to be possibly right underdog. And I think Pete, this is where you were starting to poke some holes using that 2020 road of this article, you know, about Superflex. It does seem like this has to be an adjustment here. And I feel like if you're not getting a QB by round two, you're probably screwed on underdog. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Unless you really do want to, 
I mean, we'll hop in there and, and maybe talk it through. I mean, maybe there's a path, like I said, with a four QB build where you get like Davis Mills and Kenny Pickett and they're starting for you out of the gate. And then you get like Ritter and Malik Willis and it just ends up being the year of the rookie quarterback and those guys surge your team. Like maybe there's some galaxy brain ideas, but I do think in general, it's almost just like mutually assured destruction. We all take our QBs in the first couple rounds and then we start the draft. That's kind of what it feels like right now. Yeah, I think that's going to be how it's going to go in this room, especially. But the last point here uh, before we jump into a draft, don't forget the stacking week 17 correlation still. It really is a lot of chaos in these super flex drafts if you are uh, going to spam some pumpy, uh, puppy entries today. But I do think that like you can't forget the core principles there of trying to get your double sacks, trying to get your week 17 correlations. If anything, these wide receivers stay on the board even longer because of what Pete was talking about when people prioritize QB. A lot of other talented players end up starting to get pushed downward. So I think it's something, Pete, where it's actually more fertile to try to find those week 17 correlations correlations the tough part is finding the qbs that you want to have along with that but if you can get somehow luck into that like i think you're actually in a pretty good spot yeah i mean it does it just adds another element that makes it tricky of all the things you're trying to accomplish because you know we've been talking how important it is to correlate at good adp values but you're already naturally now having to reach for some of these quarterbacks. I think the temptation is probably going to be to reach to complete those stacks. And I think at least telling myself right now, we probably don't want to compound that reaching just to ensure we're getting those stacks. And, you know, in the same way with BBM where it's like, yeah, you, you might miss out on the premium stacks. That's okay. Generally these teams still have some late round cheaper guys that we can, we can correlate with. All right. So Pete, are you ready for this one? Have you, did, did you do a puppy this morning? Did you, get I one haven't. In? Oh, okay. I didn't. It, it is honestly a harrowing world over in the puppy, but of course you could play along with this over and underdog. Use the promo code splash, double your deposit up to $100 on there. The puppy, of course, 250 K in total prizes. We mentioned up top 50 K going to first place. And of course, you know, the goal for, for me is going to be try to still to get Pete to do a zero RB build here, a multi QB zero RB build the, the finest needle to thread. I mean, zero RB is uh, is much easier to to do when you're needing to prioritize uh, quarterbacks. And I do think one one of the points that was in that uh, Rotoviz article too is one of the benefits of, and again, we're having to shift things up, but it was talking about the benefits of taking the quarterbacks in the round three through five window is you're also avoiding the dead zone running backs there. So it's kind of a double whammy. The problem is, is here we've now shifted up the quarterback window the first two rounds. And like you were saying with your Cooper Cup pick, there starts to feel like a big opportunity cost of like, mm -hmm. do you want to take Trevor Lawrence over um, Stefan Diggs? I mean, that's a decision that you're probably coming across in here. So let me see, because I'm curious who went ahead of Cooper Cup in that first one I did where I did get about the nine spot. And uh, let's see who went ahead. So uh, I got to pull up the board. Um, so who went ahead of him? Josh Allen went first, Christian McCaffrey second, Jonathan Taylor third, Austin Eckler. Oh, no, it's actually the one where I got him in the five hole. That was weird. A lot of running backs went early in that one, which I didn't fully understand the logic of. Um, and the one where I got him in the nine spot, though, uh, who went ahead of him was Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, then Cooper Cup. Would you go Hurts over Cup in this format? Um... Probably. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I, I got, I, I, like I said, I'm flying blind here, guys. I haven't done one of these yet. So I don't know. I don't feel, uh, you know, comfortable saying one way or the other, but, um, I do worry about getting shut out. Well, what's the tier break for you with Cooper cup? Like the guys who went after him, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. Do you go those guys over cup? Um, I know. Yeah, I do think, um, I guess I would say just off the hip that kind of the end of that elite QB tier. So right after Hertz, that's probably where I then feel like, okay, let me go back to these, these wide receivers with massive ceilings. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious to see how this room develops. It sees the QB is starting to fly off the board. Lots of purple. Um, and then, yeah, which way do we go here? I, I will always take Cooper cup. I feel like I I'm insane not doing that, but uh, I would prefer to take Mahomes here. Okay, I can live with that. It, the, the other reason, too, impacting this is so like because the ADP hasn't refreshed yet, um, you are seeing someone take like Jonathan Taylor 101. And again, I don't know, maybe that maybe that was, you know, specific um, in or I, it's hard to know if they're adjusting for the format or not. But again, when I think of the, the 2v2s that we'll see here, and we can do the 2v2 when we get back here to the second round of like the quarterback available to at pick 19 in Cooper Cup versus Patrick Mahomes and whatever wide receiver we're going to get here. 
I feel pretty confident saying we're going to like the 2v2 with the Mahomes side. No, I think that's reasonable. And certainly Mahomes, uh, it, I, it's hard to justify taking him where you're taking him normally in best ball mania, I think. And uh, for me, getting some exposure in the puppy seems a nice way to get a part of Kansas City if you are uh, trying to not take those QBs early like I'm trying to do in some of the bigger tournaments. Yeah. And my my just guess, and how big is this tournament? I'm curious how long we think this one will end up being open to see how much time like the ADP could actually settle and chill out, you know, a little bit versus kind of being in the wild west right now as we all establish the ADP. ATX Bearcat asking the question, this ADP won't affect BBM ADP. I presume those were separate databases entirely. Yeah, no, they, they'll keep it uh, completely different. Um, and hopefully we'll get, um, I know like the four for four guys have a, a really good underdog ADP tool. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll get um, some tools out to, uh, to show us the updated ADP. But like this draft, I mean, I, I truly can't imagine starting a super flex draft with two running backs. Like, I, I just feel like that's, you're going to just be so far behind the eight ball in so many ways. Yeah, that feels like a paying the rake approach. Like I get trying to do something different here in the room and maybe take advantage of it. But, you know, the QB is like, it's important to think because we didn't really establish that. Like taking a QB, like the reason you take a QB is because these are the highest floor, highest ceiling positions for the most part. So getting a QB in flex is like incredibly important. And that is something that maybe construction wise people don't uh, aren't aware of if they're not super savvy drafters. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. It, it's also people are anchored to ADP, like just. Um, let's, uh, let's talk through this here. Uh, Kelsey would have been interesting with that stack. Um, so you're basically, if we're going with like Adams or lamb, you're looking at Adams or lamb versus like Brady, Dak or Stafford. I almost am still in the, like grab another quarterback here and then see, but, um, we should be able feel? to set up Brady stacks more easily. So I wouldn't mind taking Brady here. And then like Dak, we can also have whatever stack we wanted to like, besides having CD obviously. Yeah. Yeah, because again, I just kind of think so. Let's let's look at that two v two though and decide. So it was like Adams. So we were basically looking at Adams, or sorry, it would have been Cup with Brady or Mahomes with Adams. If we did do that two v two, which side are you on there? Mahomes and Adams is kind of interesting just because of the fact that we could have that AFC West correlation if that is going to be the shootout division, but it's not a week 17 correlation though. So it probably doesn't matter that much. And I like that we got the QBs early because like, I think getting the QBs early, you can get kind of pick off whatever you want of the stacks. So, like we'll have Russell Gage available. I think Evans will be there probably when we come back to us. Um, we, we take Godwin if we wanted, we could do Rashad white. Like we have so many options there. I'm sitting for Holmes. We could still take MBS. Like we missed out on Kelsey, but we get MBS. We can get sky Moore. We can get, um, Juju probably like that's, I think the value ticket your QBs early is, you know, then how to stack everything from there on. And our bet. I I'm glad we made this bet because again, I feel like we captured, you know, close to the end of the tier break with our first quarterback. And then I think we captured, you know, close to an end of the tier break here with our second quarterback. And then you see Stafford Carr, Kirk cousins come off the board here. And I think we're going to really like what we have available here. I mean, we might be able to get Debo Samuel. We'll be able to get a Mike Evans, like you said, T Higgins. Like, I think we kind of played this right for our draft slot. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think we set ourselves up well. And then the quality drop off, like we got the tiers, I think where they needed to be, where like, we would probably be in like two, a category when we're picking now. Right. And this also gives us the flexibility now to kind of read the room for our QB three. Um, like if a run happens again and we're feeling really boxed out, but I think with this build, we can, um, we can kind of push our QB three pretty decently down the road. So, I mean, I know we have the stack, but like Debo Samuel here at pick 30 just feels really hard for me to pass up. What, what are you thinking? I would be more inclined to get the elite tight end then out of the way, but I think the luxury that we got was taking Brady and we can stack them up. So I would take Evans over Debo personally. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't mind that. I have a hard time with that, I th think, but because we don't have enough time to, to hash it out, I'm pretty, I think I actually feel really strongly Debo over Evans is a better pick there. And BBM, I feel like they go ahead of each other sometimes now. Yeah. I mean, partly too, is because I think you're, you're paying a premium on Evans relative to Godwin's injury return and that production that you're paying for. And he will obviously see more targets when Godwin's out. That like isn't useful to us when it matters the most, weeks 15 through 17. And so I think Evans should probably like 
if you say as a thought experiment, if you were drafting in the ADPs, say you were just drafting for weeks 15 through 17, mm. like Evan's ADP would be probably much further down. And because of that, we're paying for that early season production. And again, I mean, I get the stack, but I do think Debo is just in a clear um, class above Evans as far as what we can expect for, for fantasy production. So you feel that way, then that's not a super flex thought. That's like a year general Debo versus yeah. Mike Evans and every four. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. And I, and it goes back to kind of in general, how I try to think about correlation. And I do agree with you that there's other, there's other ways to stack Brady. And it's why I don't, if I think there's a gap in players, I don't force correlation early knowing that there'll be other chances for us to complete that. And so for me, that was like a prime example of I have Debo in a different tier than Mike Evans. So I wouldn't force it, even though I think you can safely make the argument, Hey, when you factor in the correlation, maybe they are closer in tier, but um, I think I just prefer Debo. Okay. No, I think that's a pretty logical look. I think the explanation of it sometimes is more of a sales pitch uh, on the concept that you're going there. But I think you're right. If you are trying to play for winning this tournament, then you should probably devalue Mike Evans a little bit and also probably value Godwin more. I know you guys were talking yesterday on chip chasing about how Godwin's ADP probably going to fall because he might be on the pup list. We don't know how that goes. Um, but it could be something that like you get Godwin cheap then and he ends up being just as valuable, if not more valuable for when you need him to be. Yeah. And I also, I mean, I obviously didn't hate your elite tight end thing, but just knowing how this room is going and these other people catching up on their QB twos, I thought we could, I mean, we're going to really see like Kittle and Waller fall um, mm -hmm. in this. So that's why I was like, I don't know if we have to prioritize Andrews. And I like how this is setting up for us here to get one of Higgins or Brown, because I do again, think there's a tear break uh, after these guys. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and would you, yeah. Uh, who do you like here? Higgins, I feel like seems like the move. Yeah. I, I have yeah. so much AJ Brown that I've been, you know, taking Higgins above AJ when he's available. Um, we, uh, we had a lot about T Higgins in the fantasy life newsletter today. We had Matt Harmon's reception perception on T Higgins, uh, Jonathan, uh, from spike week. And I kind of went back and forth talking about the Bengals offense. And I kind of made the case that, you know, Higgins should be going closer to the one, two turn and ahead of CD lamb. Like we're at, when you look at their, their stats over these past couple of years, they're very, very similar, but I think the market always is like, well, T Higgins is the wide receiver two on his team. And CD Lamb's going to be the wide receiver on one. Obviously I want the wide receiver one, but when you actually look at the production and you look at you know, the pies of the, those passing offense pies. I think you can make a case that, that T Higgins should, should be right up there with those other guys. It's interesting that you say that. And actually there's a uh, Tampa wheels, by the way, is in our draft saying that he's bummed that we got Brady uh, because he wanted him to come back. He took Kelsey instead. So that's a new name I haven't seen there. So shout out to Tampa wheels for watching the show and drafting along with us. Um, do you feel though that Joe Burrow's undervalued? Cause if you feel that strongly about T Higgins and I've kind of been on the assumption that his ADP is coming up just because of the week 17 correlation, the fact that he pairs well with whatever part of the, the bills, uh, Bengals game that we talk about so much for week 17. But if you love chase and you love Higgins, like shouldn't Burrow then be going like in more of the Lamar Jackson range than the, you know, where he goes, where he sometimes falls to the seventh. I don't, I think I think Burrow's properly valued just because of how much the rushing can propel the other guys around him. And I also never really think I know it's like the temptation, like people have been doing that with the Dolphins, where it's like Waddle and Tyreek are going here. Why is Tua going so late? But it's like you are making bets for um really ceiling, really big ceiling outcomes. And sometimes those don't have to be mutually exclusive. The same thing happened last year with the Steelers where Juju and Claypool and Deontay Johnson were all going in the same range. And everyone's like, well, how are you not drafting big Ben? Because it's like all of these guys have the talent to have like a top 10 season at wide receiver. Sometimes we just don't know how it's going to go. And then when you layer in, the four uncorrelated tournaments and knowing, you know, Higgins can have a 50 point week. Chase can have a 50 point week and Joe Burrow could be just still in line with other QB ones that week because he's not going to separate with rushing. So I don't necessarily think it means you have to pull a quarterback up just because there are pass catchers with ceiling going, going high. Okay. No, I think that's, again, you're really bringing your, after ship chasing you, the production staff who has really got, you're bringing your a game for all your game theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is another pretty sweet spot here for wide receiver. I mean, DJ Moore, the correlation there, if we want to just eat up that ADP and the Tampa Bay Carolina bring back. Yeah, I think we're pushing it now. I don't think we're going to get Kittle would be my one thing, but I don't want to reach for him either. I think the more thing makes more sense. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, it's as much as I like the elite tight end, I think it's probably the outsized advantage of it is a little watered down um, in Superflex relative yeah. to uh, the standard. Just when we look at how the lineup works and what uh, a tight end represented, um, I think it's still important, but I do think that that Superflex maybe dings it just a smidge. Yeah, I, there was one thing that stood out in that uh, Rotoviz article, that was, I think from 2020, about the best ball uh, strategy for Superflex. And they had mentioned that like there was a very limited sample size of teams that drafted six QBs, but the win rate was yeah. like astronomical in what that was. I don't know how you'd possibly draft six QBs, Pete. Like It feels like a lot of like almost zero QB approach would be what you do there. But intriguing to see that even as like a, a very small sample size data point. Yeah, I I mean we we always get weird things with that. I, I want to say BBM two had some weird ones with like four tight end builds as well. Um, where it's probably a little bit noisy, and uh, I think in general those kind of robust strategies for the onesies and even running backs, it you know it raises your floor uh, for sure. Um, I would just have to assume it really hurts your your like 99th percentile ceiling outcomes. JW says too early to tell, but I have a feeling a very high percentage of final week teams in this contest will be drafted day one. I mean, we've always said that the, you know, the early drafts are where you can build the super teams because of ADP inefficiencies. It definitely feels like there are some inefficiencies right now without the ADP having settled. So I, I could agree with that. Yeah, and he also asked a question too about, do you think underdog will start implementing a better starter ADP on contests? I think that kind of defeats the purpose of it is like they wanted you to get in early and then establish the market with, you know, what you think these guys should be drafted at. So I guess you could make more of a projection based one for the format, but that seems like more work than you probably need. Cause like the ADPs will settle, I think after a day or two. Ooh, Spags. We almost got Kittle to fall. It's a nice. six. Oof. Let's just check in on quarterback here real quick. Um, I think we're where we're at. We can definitely wait uh, a little longer. Um, I still, I don't really want to take Zeke or Akers. Um, I'm good with Robinson, Metcalf, or getting our double stack with Godwin. Let's get the double stack with Godwin. I would have liked Gabe Davis to have fallen. I thought that would have been nice to get him coming back with Higgins, but uh, Gabe Davis getting steamed up even in Superflex, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, Gabe is, uh, he's a hot name. I mean, once Liam took him in the second round of the Royal Rumble, I mean, the market acted accordingly. Uh, Matt in the chat asking, uh, that was fun to rhyme that, is the Walker-Kittle Week 17 correlation using too much capital? I would think so. Like the bully tight end builds, I think that there's some data that you should take that first part of a bully tight end in like rounds one through four and then the second one round five through seven. So that means you're not getting two elite tight ends. You're getting like an elite tight end and a second tier tight end. Uh, but Pete, would you go Walker-Kittle? I feel like that's probably not the best usage in any format, really. Yeah, I just feel like you're probably going to get um, really squeezed out at quarterback or, you know, wide receiver, probably. Like, I obviously, both of us feel very comfortable punting running back in a regular draft, much less a super flex. Um, but yeah, here I, I do think the opportunity cost is probably too high. I also want to point out uh, AG's team here from the eight hole. I think they recovered really nicely. And this is kind of what a build can look like if you do wait on quarterback. That said, I'm not sure you're going to be able to pull off this kind of draft in another week or so. So he started chase Kelsey Swift getting kind of elite players at those positions and then goes fields, Lawrence, Zach Wilson. I think that's a really nice way to recover at the QB position. And maybe the, maybe the moral is to get a few of those teams in now before that doesn't become possible. Yeah. Yeah. Not sure. I mean, you were talking about Trevor Lawrence potentially being a guy that could go in like the second round and to see him going in the fifth right now, like that just doesn't seem plausible. Once people realize, oh yeah, I'm getting closed out on QB every single time I draft, like that's going to solve itself pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I was, I was ambitious with the, the Lawrence thing, but that's where, that's where he was going. I mean, he wasn't, he going late second in those early super flex drafts or at least in the third, like all those quarterbacks got even way more pushed up than now. I definitely, after doing this early, I, I, I do think the grinders uh, should hop in here and rip these off at the start while this ADP hasn't refreshed yet. Um, shit. I was going to say Juju, uh, but Eagles took him. Um, we could Ooh. also, yeah. Who, who do you like? I mean, I, I haven't been taking a lot of Mooney. Um, I don't mind him. What else do you see? Yeah, Mooney, more London. I feel like all those guys. I know you were talking about Amon Ross St. Brown yesterday with, with Pat and Gretsch, but I, I I don't have the strongest feelings for him yet. Like, I agree that he could come up a little bit more, but I feel like he's appropriately priced right now. So I think we, we took the right guy and taking Mooney, I think. 
also, I know I, I actually forget where you're at on on Hawkinson, but it, we're still looking for that tight end, and also gives us some uh, some correlation there too if uh, that sets up. Yeah, I think that would be nice. Uh, yeah, Schultz, I wouldn't have minded there. I forgot. Honestly, I'm so used to having to lead tight end because I always prioritize it that I forgot that we, <laughs> we didn't have one there. So I might advocate a little bit more for Schultz because then we could have also gotten Traylon Burks, which would have been nice. But So yeah. my only thing, and again, I know I'm playing a little bit of chicken. I do agree with you. I, you know, structurally, I think we're on the same page, but I'm so willing. I mean, we saw Kittle, like the same reason I didn't want to take Kittle where we did is because I knew there was a chance if people are anchored to ADP, like they have been, even though we've, the ADP is bogus. We agree on that, but we are, our brains are still wired to be anchored to it. So I'm like, how can we use that to our advantage? So it almost worked with Kittle coming back to us and same with Schultz just being lower in ADP. I was like, um, he might, he might fall to us here at pick 91. So I'm like, let's just, let's just kind of play the ADP game and then know, Hey, we also have the Hawk out as well. Um, Ishmael asking any thoughts on this being two wide receivers instead of three wide receiver. Don't be playing a wide receiver in the super flex. I mean, if you had a wide receiver that could beat out a QB, you probably had a really good wide receiver. So I don't, I don't think that's crazy. Um, the QB at super flex to me is more like giving that position a higher floor and also a good ceiling, but like having a wide receiver be able to beat them out is like a luxury that I wouldn't be opposed to. Yeah, but their their point is taken in the same way I was saying the kind of elite tight end thing might be slightly diminished by this structure. I also think the wide receiver um, edge could be slightly diminished. One of the reasons it works so well is because you can start up to four. And so obviously, um, you know, in this one, we can only start up to three and we'd be pushing out a quarterback. So um, yeah, I, I do... Uh, I do think uh, maybe we're slightly more wide receiver than than optimal, but here we go. Now Dalton Schultz uh, falls to oh, us. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy to take him here. Yeah, it's obviously Burks is not going to come back. We can get Woods. We can get you know we can get Hooper even if we want to do double tight end correlation for Week 17. But um, yeah, Schultz I think is a nice pick there with where we got him. The only other consideration I would think with this next pick that we should consider is um, we are coming up on the range of our the only other really kind of. Um, I don't want to say viable, but the only interesting stacking candidates with Mahomes with Sky Moore in MVS. So I would think that um, we might want to, depending on how this ADP shakes out, we might want to think about maybe making a running back detour and then coming back to one of those KC guys. Because um, I, I don't think we want to run an unstacked Mahomes and we are running out of options there. I mean, we'll always have, uh, you know, uh, I guess we could have the really flotsam, the Justin, whose last name escapes me. <laughs> we could have him. Justin in the, Ross. In, yes, Justin Ross. Um, I, he's honestly so off my radar. Like, that was one I never bought into, and now I feel like he doesn't get drafted a lot, and I feel like, oh, good. I, I withstood that one, and now we're, we, sanity has prevailed. Wow, this is an interesting note from Mookie. In the overflow draft, Deshaun went 10.08. He went 5.1 in ours. So not only do you have crazy super flex valuation ADP, but then you layer in the uncertainty of the Deshaun Watson. Although, I don't know, conventional wisdom at this point seems, I mean, the hammer's coming. I, I'm expecting a full season suspension at this point. I feel like it's gotten softened a little with the the settling the civil suits. Like the I, I don't know. I, I think it's a half season. I'd put the over under at, at eight and a half, I guess. Like I feel like all the winds are that blowing that I or the tea leaves that I'm reading are the, the league is going to um make a, a big time example out of him here. Hmm. I'm but, curious to see it. So I do think this so let's just look at this and again, kind of thinking about people being anchored to ADP. So we pick out 102 and 115. Sky Moore's ADP is 93 and MBS's is 107 um, here. I, I do think if Sky Moore is available to us at 102 here, I, I think we should take him. Um, and then it kind of takes the pressure off of us for reaching for MBS later and then should also put us in a sweet spot to get a, a running back one that we like. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's fair, especially I, I was going to try to pitch you on taking Hawkinson anyway, just to get tight end and be done with it. But um, I think the way you spelled that out makes sense where yeah, let's take Sky. So we get Sky and now we're, we're doing pretty good at wide receiver um, where we're going to really be able to just rip running backs in the back half. And um, my my dream scenario would be, and who knows if it's possible, would be we were able to get a running back at 115 and then MBS were to fall. Um, to us in the 11th 
but that might be, oh no, he goes right after. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so I am, I am very glad that we got one of those guys there because um, now we do have options. We could add Rojo for more of kind of a team stack. Um, we could add Jarek McKinnon late. I'm not really on the Justin Ross stuff. Um, and especially in this build where we have prioritized really good um, wide receivers. I don't know. I think we're going to be wanting to use those super flyer picks on running backs is my guess. Hardman will be there at some point too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we should also, you know, think through our, we're probably going to want to make our detour for QB three here. Um, soonish. I mean, I pick it makes sense. Uh, like the, the issue is like, so Pickett will have some targets that we could still get, or I guess if, if you want to talk me into Trubisky too, whichever of those two will have some left. We missed out on DK Metcalf already. I just find it hard to justify Drew Locke when you don't get Metcalf. Um, or Geno Smith, who I took in one of my puppy drafts because somebody scooped me on on Drew Locke. That's how desperate people are for QB, that they're drafting Drew Locke in the 15th round. Um, but I feel like one of the pick guys or Mariota would be my choices. And I would definitely lean. So in this build where we have Mahomes and Brady, these guys are going to anchor our team. We're drafting like we're right. I want to take a big, big time cut for our QB three. And so to me, that's the rookies. You know, it's it's Pickett. It's also hilarious to me that Malik, Malik Willis is higher in the draft applet than uh, Ritter, who, who goes ahead of him in BBM. But again, this is just uh, a product of these names being dumped in here and not having the ADP refreshed yet. So Ritter is a guy that I think is uh, also very interesting to me here. Whereas the guys like Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, you know, Sam Darnold, guys who could give us early season production, we don't need early season production from them. We got we got Mahomes and Brady. We want a late season hammer, and I think that's the rookies. The Consigliere saying uh, Corral seemed like the pick, but then seeing that Corral seems to be gone, actually. Um, I, can you confirm that Matt Corral's gone? Because that would make sense with, with having more. Uh, no, he's here. Okay. And I'll I just honestly, weird ADP thing. Yeah. I, I think we should take one of these running backs here, um, just seeing how this ADP is shifting or, or is just kind of vomited in here. I think guys like Howell Ritter and stuff are really good QB3s for us. Um, what do you think about, I mean, I love taking Pollard here and just building out our bet on the Cowboys and giving us, you know, our, our anchor zero RB guy. Yeah. I would be happy with Walker too, but I do think, cause we have Schultz and we don't, we're not going to have a DAC correlation there. Like I think making the bet on Pollard and getting some Tennessee guy at some point, like we can get whoever we want to as a bring back there for week 17. And again, you know, talking about, and who knows, maybe we get burned and, and people go and grab these other quarterbacks, but in about when this ADP refreshes, like Ritter's not going to be buried down here. Ritter's going to be up here right next to Mariota and Trubisky where he is in the BBM three stuff. So I kind of just want to take advantage of that dynamic in this draft and then know that uh, that's going to change quickly. So given that we have Mahomes and Brady and, and we've also at least got some stack components there, is this feeling more like a three QB build to you with one of those flyers or a four QB with two flyers? I mean, uh, to me, it would be a three QB build unless we just thought there was kind of just a really insane value that we didn't pass up on. I find that hard to believe. And I do think because we are going to really be um, scrambling at running back that will probably not feel like making a detour for like a true, true flyer at quarterback to pass on like Kenny Gainwell, who whose production we're probably going to need. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, Eric asking what draft this. I don't see a super flex on underdog. It is in fact the puppy, but super flex is the official title of it, I believe, on, on underdog. So you can see it on the screen there. And fifty six thousand entrants will be will be into that one. Um. All right, we are back up again here. Um. Yeah, I don't think we have to mess with quarterback here. I think we're probably Cook would be nice with T. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. I think, I think cook looks like the pick here. And again, this, it really does kind of go back to our, how we were saying like these drafts are literally like, we just agree to take quarterbacks in the first two rounds and then start drafting as normal. Like we're now just like building out, you know, we got We got our wide receiver, heavy start, got our elite tight end. And now we're picking off our zero RB guys. Like it just, it basically takes the elite quarterbacks from BBM three and rounds what four through seven and just says, nah, just do them one, two, and then draft how you would otherwise. 
the team that we're building here is not going to look so far off of what we might build normally, other than the fact we'll have that third QB. Like I'm, I'm definitely married to two QBs, two tight ends. I'm in a best ball mania or regular you know, format puppy. But in this one, I like, I, I think we worked the room fairly well. Like I like the guys we're getting and I, we've a lot of value suit ADP. So almost worth the sounder, but perhaps not fully worth a sounder. Yeah. So we have, yeah. So these are 20 round drafts instead of, uh, 18, which again, like I was showing with my draft sharks thing, even plays into zero RB, I think a little bit more because we're able to tack on a few of the running backs that, you know, are still, I think, you know, solid handcuffs, solid contingent guys that just don't go in, in underdog, uh, BBM drafts because there's two less rounds. Yeah, I took my first, well, not my first shares, but very low amounts of shares of like James White and Kenyon Drake in the uh, the builds I was doing on some of the the two puppy drafts I did. So like I, I think you're right about that. Like I think that is some room to get guys that you just wouldn't get anywhere else. And then you know guys that really are also kind of unappealing that you don't want to draft. Like here you could draft them, and if they do work out in any way, they're probably all upside. Yeah. So. Gronks will be another guy that we should we should talk about because uh, I mean obviously I think we can we can wait a, a good bit on him. Uh, I'm curious how long he stays at the top of the queue, but obviously he would fit a, a tight end in, in Tampa Bay need. Although we've already double stacked, so we probably don't have to push that. Um, I do think obviously Ramondre and Madison kind of fit this bill. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I never mind Ramondre or Madison. We could take Patrick for a Denver bring back. My only thing is just wanting to keep wide receiver yeah. ammo back because we're we're pretty we're probably only going to do like one more wide receiver, maybe two. I guess. I think I lean Ramondre, but yeah, I think Ramondre works for me. I guess I'm thinking. I guess we can kind of back it out now, right? We're through twelve rounds, so we have um, eight more picks left. We know we're going to have at least one more QB, at least three more running backs. So that's four picks, at least one more wide receivers, five, at least one more tight end is six. So I guess we have kind of two luxury picks on top of that. Um, so I, I guess we still have, we still have some flexibility. Like if we get funneled toward a three tight end build, that's fine. If we end up really loving some wide receiver value and want to get to eight wide receivers, that's fine. So I think we're good. I think we're in good shape. Yeah, and then and then we should we should put. I feel like well, Hardman would then kill that flexibility too. But I feel like we should try to get Hardman just to get one more chief in there. Oh, he's gone. Hardman moment. went. Yeah. yeah, I think we're probably going to be looking at Jarek McKinnon late, which is fine. Um, I don't mind that actually. Yeah, and then the the other thing here, I, I do think Rashad White makes a ton of sense. Um, if we're just making a big bet on, on the bucks, I mean, I also don't mind, uh, Madison either here. I would go Rashad white just cause I think there is a couple outs there of him being the pass game back. And then of course the Fournette just, you know, him breaking down again. Um, I feel like Rashad white's in a really nice spot to benefit and, and rise on the weeks too, that Brady's not you know fully going off. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are all some of my favorite zero RB picks. I think I prefer Singletary to James Cook, but I mean, Pollard, Cook, Ramondre, Rashad White. I love it. Uh, Francis asking, do you go three to four QBs versus two QBs now account for more volatility at the position? Yeah, that's what we were debating earlier. I think we're going to go for three in this build, but if we hadn't invested in QB so early, I think going to four seems like a pretty logical thing if you don't get a Mahomes Brady tier of guys. Yeah. It's crazy that like we could have been a couple picks off and ended up with like Stafford and Cousins for the same draft capital, basically. Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm saying here. Yeah, Cousins going at three two, and it just you know reaching quote unquote for Brady at pick nineteen sure doesn't look as bad when Cousin peels off the board seven picks later. Yeah, I think that was this particular draft. I think that worked out. Sometimes you might get lucky and have something fall, I guess. But I, it's not probably not worth making that bet in this point of the draft season. Like I think this approach of what you were talking about, just take your two QBs, be done, and then try to build a normal team around that. Because everything else is just like it's chaos if you're not following something to kind of give you a, a foundation to tether yourself to. Yeah, and I do think just with our construction right now, we we have a lot of flexibility. Like there was a second there, I was like, man, are we going to get squeezed out on all the best zero RB guys? And then they just kind of fell to us. And now I don't think we really have to make specific positional concerns at our picks. We can just, dare I say, hashtag draft the best plays. 
Also, we got 130 people watching live on Peach Channel. I think a few more on the Splash Play channel as well. So make sure you hit the like button if you can. Does help uh, these videos get seen by more people, which means a lot to us because we're trying to do the best we can, um, including actual actual research today, Pete. We, we read some articles. We dig, dug up old drafts. We did the best we could to give some Superflex a flashlight in the tunnel, Pete, for Superflex, which is a shocking dearth of information out there for this format. Yeah, all the haters who said we're just lazy streamers who just turn on the cameras, fire up a draft, and just bask in the engagement. Well, look at us rolling Grinding. up our sleeves, getting to work. Um, so one pick that would be interesting to me here, and maybe we could wait, would be to take a Kui Boonham as our Denver bring back and then be done at tight end. I think let's just do it. Like, let's not leave it to the room because we got a, a little while before we pick now, right? Like, it, 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 if I thought, like, I don't know where you're at. I mean, to me, Tunyon, Irv, Akui Boonham, like, sure, maybe, maybe you slightly prefer those other guys over him. But to me, they're all in the same tier. And it accomplishes two goals, getting us that Denver bring back and our second tight end. No, I like that. And I, I'm not as into taking Gronk right now as you are. Like, I know you wrote it for the Fantasy Life newsletter, some of your beliefs about him coming back, and he's just skipping training camp. I feel like he could have lied a little bit longer. Like, he wasn't under contract. Like, he could have been like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, I'll, I'm will i going to see how it goes, and I'll, we'll revisit in the summer. Retirement is a different thing, and I think he's going to start to book some deals, of, you know, probably a network deal, you would think. So I don't want to take Gronk now. Like, I've got 5% of Gronk, I think, overall in my portfolio, and I'm comfortable with that being where I kind of land, unless there is news of him coming back. Well, my my thing on him, I, I still want to draft Gronk, but I also want to be smart about it and know that if he does come back, it's going to be, you know, very, very late in the offseason, if not as the season's already started or wherever. So with that said, that means his ADP is only going to continue to fall and fall and fall. So, I mean, we might, you know, I said in the newsletter that I thought savvy drafters would be scooping him up still, um, you know, three, four rounds later. But there, there, I could definitely see him just still kind of settling in as like where Julio Jones and Will Fuller go mm -hmm. right now, you know, 16th, 17th, sometimes 18th round. So I am not done drafting Gronk. We are on the clock here. Um, yeah, I don't want to cut you off there, but do you uh, want to? I mentioned Gainwell earlier. I do, I do love him in, in builds like this. Yeah, I like Gainwell too. I like Gainwell uh, in pretty much any format, but yeah, like obviously more, more zero RB for me generally. And I feel like Gainwell fits like, these are all guys that I think we would like in normal situations too. And we're getting them. It's so cheap. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, I might, I might bring up a guy that I think we should take, um, with our next pick here that I'm kind of honing in on. Uh, before that, Josh asking, can you talk, uh, can you talk about drafting backup QBs as running QBs, such as the Ravens backups or Eagles, not as a handcuff, but I do think as like a zero, a zero QB build where you take Huntley or you take a uh, Gardner Minshew, like that could make sense. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's what we we're talking about early. Like if you do want to get funky it again, I would wait to do this until ADP settle and all the quarterbacks get really pushed up, but I do think there's room for some of those really funky builds where you draft four, maybe even draft five, and you are drafting all of the interesting, you know, upside handcuff quarterbacks. I think right now, most of those are the rookies. Like I think Ritter and Malik Willis um, are, are pretty interesting from that. I'm trying to think who would be another, you know, handcuff quarterback, backup quarterback that has like legit upside, I guess the Huntley. Yeah, in, in the Huntley's the one that came to mind me. Like Josh already said it, but I think that's like the definitive one. I've seen him get drafted already anyway, too. Like I think he's been drafted in both the drafts I did. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I don't hate that. And again, I think it's just let, if you load up on on uh, non-quarterbacks early and, you, and you're kind of funneled toward a weird four QB build, I think it's just making sure that it's the same with a zero RB build, right? Like if you went zero RB and only took handcuffs, you took your De Deontay Foremans and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on a really good other examples, but you're going to have zeros at the position really on early on. So you got to balance it with guys who are going to score. So you probably are going to still want to take a Davis Mills type, but maybe a Mitch Trubisky type just to make sure that you're not getting buried early and then hope that one of those elite, you know, handcuffs kind of kick in right when you need to kind of supercharge your team down the stretch. Yeah, I feel like you probably have to take at least one floor QB. Like, I, I feel like taking one decent QB, like in that first few rounds, and then taking your Davis Mills a little bit later, and then you could kind of get a little bit weird with it. Um, I think that gives me a little more comfort. But yeah, like, it's interesting. You can really do some different machinations with this than you can do in a, a best ball draft at this point with people have, having explored every structure possible.
yeah, it's it's fun because there's if you feel the opportunity cost at every pick because you're yeah. like, oh no, I could get my third quarterback. Oh no, I need to I need to get my running back. You're you're just constantly juggling this. I'm gonna make a case for a guy that we should stop playing chicken with after Swirls uh, picks here, um, just to make sure he doesn't go. But uh, I do not think Ritter should be available uh, at this point. He's still just so buried in here. But I mean. Ritter should not be going after Baker Mayfield in these drafts. Are, are you cool pulling the trigger on him as our QB three here? So, we're, but we're not going to stack him then. Like we got, we would have to take. Uh, oh, we could take Brian a Brian Edwards. Edward. And with a rushing quarterback like Ritter and a QB three, like I'm not as, as concerned about it. And you look at the other type of quarterbacks here. It's just like, where is the upside? I mean, are we not taking Matt Corral now then? Um, no, I mean, we could still take Matt Corral because I think Matt Corral is also probably a value. But again, I, I prefer Ritter. So if you think about the ways like we supercharge this team, like Corral coming in and outscoring a Mahomes or Brady on a given week feels very, very thin to me. But if Ritter comes in and starts rushing like crazy, then him, you know, sneaking past a Brady or a Mahomes on a given week doesn't feel so crazy to me. So I'm trying to think like, how are we actually getting points in our lineup that we otherwise wouldn't get? I don't think, I mean, Ritter's definitely a bigger body guy who could run like in a Josh Allen way where he should be able to withhold it. But Corral, like part of the upside of him is like he's an RPO QB who can run. So I don't think it's that far off and we had more. So that's my logic too. But I wouldn't mind still taking Corral. I guess it depends on how these next few rounds go. And, I, and I'm and i not opposed. Um, and I should say this, and maybe we should have talked it out more because I, I'm not opposed to the Corral thing. It was more just, I think this was a spot to take our third QB because I do think Corral and... Ritter will probably be two, three, four rounds higher. I mean, you can see this is just because of an ADP effect. Like there were, there was only what one, two, one, one quarterback pick over like four rounds. Um, and I think that's only because of the ADP stuff. Gotta love seeing Drew Locke in the eleventh. That just, <laughs> just, that just feels right, yeah. you know. Um, Brady or yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see anything else, you know, particularly, you know, super interesting here. I guess we could have make a bet on Foreman too, but the clock's ticking. Yeah, he, he I think he'll still probably be available for us. Yeah, that's true. So we're now we have three more picks. We're at a three six six two build. Um I think we're definitely adding another wide receiver um at minimum. And I think I think we should pencil in you know, what are our Atlanta options? Um, so we have Brian Edwards. I think Damian Williams is a fine kind of deep flyer contingent running back. Those are probably the only two Atlanta guys we would consider. Zacchaeus is still going to be on the team and he keeps finding ways to land on the field somehow. So like I wouldn't, I'd rather have Edwards. Like I think Edwards, they, they traded for to replace Zacchaeus and him kind of not doing anything, but he always has that one good week every year. That seems baffling. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm also with you, like in this one, I, I have no problem because of these kind of luxury picks. Um, and knowing that there are scenarios where we don't get production from Ritter, you know, if Mariota is good and somehow holds him off, I, I'm not making that bet personally, but that's definitely within the range of outcomes. I, I think we could still, um, take advantage of the softer QB ADP in this room and, and take uh, corral. Uh, maxing the 20 round draft takes forever. Why didn't underdog keep them at 18? You need 20 rounds for a super flex. I feel like, like this team would be much more difficult to make sense of if we didn't have 20 rounds. Yeah, I, I get it for the super flex drafts. I think they did it right. I think the 20 yeah. with the super flex and then going back to the, the 18 for BBM was, was the way, um, yeah, you do feel it though. Like, man, there's those BBM drafts that are paced just perfectly. You get in a good run and you're done in 40 minutes. It's just like the perfect amount of time. Um, the 20, the extra two rounds you start to feel. And I also, my theory would be because people are less confident with their final two round picks and are, you know, further out in the deep, de deep end than they usually are, that they probably bleed the clock on all those last couple picks too. So it probably just elongates everything. It's good to see Sony Michelle get drafted then more reliably. So he, he and Raheem Mostert, all those guys that just sometimes get skipped, probably not getting that skipped so much here. Um, I wouldn't mind taking Edwards. I think we can, I think we can wait on him. Why don't, why don't we take Corral and just. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. And just be done with that because I don't, I think you can make the case that there's no more interesting quarterbacks to be drafted. Um, but all of these kind of running backs and wide receivers are still 
in the flyer zone. We did, we didn't uh McKinnon got drafted, yeah. That's that would have been a while ago. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I even though I'm down on him, I uh I don't mind taking Justin Ross either if we just want to get that that double stack uh with Mahomes. Yeah, I think it could be worth a shot here. Like I again, a guy I normally couldn't justify taking, but in a twenty round draft where we got scooped on every other chief, seems like it's a logical thing. Jimmy G getting drafted, good for him. Who are the even the other are there any other chiefs that end up going? Wait, no, McKinnon's still here. Yeah. Oh, so his ADPs, that's interesting. Yeah. You gotta sh- that should, yeah, that shouldn't be a thing. That- <laughs> well, that, that, that's what I was saying was happening with Ritter too. It was like, because the ADP hasn't refreshed yet, this ADP, they didn't port this ADP over from BBM. They, I think they ported it over from the first Superflex yeah. draft earlier this off season. And McKinnon of course hadn't signed yet. So he didn't have an ADP. Hmm. Although that theory doesn't check out because Ritter would have been going in those drafts too. Yeah. So I actually have no idea how, how that ADP sausage got made. I mean, there's a logic. Oh, Visca, good. A home for, ah, oh, kid Eagles. Eagles might be having the show on the background. Eagles <laughs> killing me. Damn you, James. If you are watching this. Well, I, I actually damn you, Spags, because uh, the uh, you you made me go look. And if he was well, I, mean, watching, well, like, I just didn't I didn't think it was possible that he would still be available. But yeah, that is that is much smarter. That I guess the, the moral is we need to uh, be searching for all these teams to see who happens to still be uh, available here. Um, do you want to just grab Justin Ross, get that double stack? Yeah, we might as well at this point. The young gun double stack. Uh, the undrafted rookie, yeah, the one you really want with Justin Ross pairing that off. So we are, so one more pick. I do think this can be the, the other than quarterback, probably good there. We're at a four, six, seven, two. Um, I think my, I would probably rank it running back wide receiver tight end as far as what to prioritize, but what are you feeling? Um, yeah, I mean, I would be inclined to take Edwards if he comes back to us, but then at that point, I don't like if he's not there, I don't think there's anything that makes sense. Top set pointing out to Brian Robinson doesn't have an ADP, so another another value guy that just went to uh to S Will. S Worlds might be in the chat too, because I feel like he's skipped a couple guys that somebody has been like, Oh yeah, how about this guy? Savvy savvy drafting plus EV drafting with streams. So yeah, if we want, you know. Running back has gotten extremely gross here. Um, the only thing I would maybe consider would be like a Damian Williams with our Atlanta, but I think there's far more interesting names at wide receiver. We mm-hmm. have Brian Edwards if we want to do like <laughs> a Ritter Edwards stack, although my personal favorite, and I'll just say him because he'll get drafted and then whatever. But I do think Isaiah McKenzie is just far, far too cheap uh, in this range relative to kind of some whispers that we're starting to hear about him potentially overtaking Crowder. So it seems like all the guys that are getting steamed up justifiably on here. Like people should probably be taking today before they start to get an established ADP. Yeah. Because McKenzie's been hot only over the last like week or so. So like whatever they pulled the ADPs from, like McKenzie probably wasn't getting drafted. I think uh, it's Mookie's theory makes the most sense. So they imported the same ADP from when they initially opened Superflex best ball. So then, then the question is, how did that ADP get made? <laughs> uh, but, but yes, I, I do guess that's probably what happened. Classic ADP chicken or egg scenario that we're always looking for. Yeah. So now we're starting to get some fun picks here. Uh, Malik Willis goes, I, I like that pick. Uh, who did he pair that with? So yeah, he did a similar thing. Wally is us. Grab those two QBs early hurts and burrow waited till the very end to take a really high upside. Oh, Isaiah McKenzie does go one pick. Of course, of course. And did Brian Edwards go too? Uh, he might've, yeah, he did. Um, let's see. I, I don't know. Like some of the fun upside picks to me would be like Taekwon Thornton, um, Andy I guess Bright. Tyquan Thornton is really the only interesting one to me. Yeah, I feel like Thornton is fine to me. I don't. Do we have anybody from Miami? No, we got a new England I, guy though, so yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I just like uh, normally it's the running backs that I think would have be a little bit more interesting as like contingency based picks. But I mean, I'm looking at these names here, and I'm like, which of these guys could? Uh, actually end up being interesting i mean one of these guys will there's a league winner on the screen right now just good luck <laughs> selecting them <laughs> oh no because Ito benjamin got drafted by etr sub there so he's <laughs> that was the league winner that was hiding away 
I mean, good. What you guys start start naming your underdog username Splash Play Fan. You know, it's like, come on. I mean, what what good mark? It's like the creativity there too. Etr sub. Like, oh, it, by the way, even... Swirls wasn't here, so Swirls was just picking guys off left and right. And he's sarcastic uh, Swirls in the chat, but that is that yeah. makes more sense. I'm like Swirls is taking everybody that we're talking about it, or the chat is saying is like might be a good pick. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. Splash Play Super Flex. Um, eight on two because this one will i'm curious how many how long this ends up being open this tournament um but uh yeah that was fun though i it's always like you know we're in such kind of autopilot mode on bbm3 drafts and you know we haven't had a lot of new information yet we'll get some bombs that are going to go off you know the 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 cam Akers getting hurt last year and then darrell henderson rockets up 10 rounds we just haven't got that yet so getting to have a new thought experiment to think through on our feet was, uh, was pretty fun. And Kyle, apparently in the chat is ETR sub. If we would review your team, if your name were splash play sub, unfortunately you are an ETR sub or, or deposit kingdom sub. There was a lot of ways to get there. ETR sub wasn't that one, Pete. Yeah. Um, Willis says, um, I guess you guys will be lucky to have this still open by next Thursday. Uh, probably right. Uh, but if we've learned anything with underdog and the puppies, they have no problem, uh, spinning these up and getting them out there. I forget. What did we end up getting last year? Did we get three puppies? Yeah, it was, was three it puppies. Three there. puppies, yeah. But um, so yeah, there'll, there'll still be plenty of time uh, to draft puppies throughout this summer. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. All right, so Pete and I will be back on Monday. The Spag solo stream goes on tomorrow, 2.30 on the Splash Play channel exclusively, not the podcast feeds, just on that channel. So come hang out with me at 2.30 then. Uh, Pete, what are the plugs for you with Randomizer? We're coming up with Cooter Doodle tonight, right? So yeah, very, some very excited. That'll be there. Yeah, I've actually right uh, later this uh, after this show, I need to go and check through the uh, the responses. But the ones I've seen on on Twitter coming through are very fun. So yeah, that'll be at seven p.m. Eastern. The very funny Cooter Doodle runs the uh, the Fantasy Life Twitter account and just a, a generally very funny person in fantasy. And then uh, I actually am so Brian and I couldn't do lulls this week because I was heading back. Um, Brian has some new best ball tools that he's been working on with his plugin, and so we're actually going to do a special little one-off best ball breakfast lulls crossover tomorrow at 10 a.m. So um, if you guys kind of want to see some of his tools and then uh, watch me, you know, tell him who these players are in real time, uh, that could be fun for you tomorrow. So now everybody just gets on best ball breakfast time. This is open door invites for all Pete's podcast part. (laughs) Best ball breakfast is now, you know, it's a safe haven for when Pete can't, you know, make his other streams. It's a smart way to use it. So go check that out tomorrow. Of course, Hooper doing a great job. And Cooter Doodle tonight, a very funny show. I'll probably have that on in the background, assuming I am allowed to do that. Follow at Peter Overs at follow at Chris Spags, follow at Splash Play Pod. Tune in tomorrow, 2.30 for my solo stream. And of course, subscribe to Pete's channel so you know all the content he's putting out there. Appreciate you guys hanging out and play on Underdog. Check out the Superflex. Bye. 